This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Are you ready? This is the Really Riley Podcast. Woo! Hello, friends. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Really Riley. And if you're new around these parts, hi. Welcome. This is the spot where I like to rant about all things Riley. I like to keep it real. I like to shock the shit out of you guys. I like to make you guys go, really, Riley? Hence the name. Um, So this week on the podcast, I have my special guest, my husband, Marshall, over there with me right now. Say hi. I'm back. You're back. Um. Because I wanted to talk to you guys about something that one of our listener fam DM'd me about this week. Um, My story, our story, isn't exactly the same as hers, but it just got me to thinking that I've never, like, exclusively delved into this topic of being a caregiver to someone early on in a relationship. So this particular listener was, you know, DMing me about a completely different question about a wedding dress, and, you know, she had told me that, her fiance was just diagnosed with cancer. Um, and she wasn't talking about how to be a caregiver or anything. She was just, you know, getting my opinion on what I thought about what she should do with her dress and should she, she postpone, should she have a small wedding and, you know, have the big shebang later. So really wasn't the same thing, but it just got me to thinking like in a really special time in their life, preparing for a wedding and I, she already had kids. So She's going to be going through a lot as a caregiver to someone in a time when you're supposed to be elated and all like everything is rainbows and Skittles. And as I've come to find out, life isn't always like that. And I think it's important to talk about it because especially surrounding like what you think things are supposed to be with like weddings or early in the relationships. Like a lot of times if it doesn't turn out to be what you thought it was going to be, you get depressed about it because I kind of did. All right. Backstory about Marshall and I. I've told you guys about his avascular necrosis diagnosis at nauseum. But if you're new, basically, um, Marshall, you go, you, Marshall, you can tell the Reader's Digest uh, version of what avascular necrosis is. So it's a rare bone disease. It typically like hits all the like the big joints. So like hip, knee, um, I think you can get it in shoulder and ankle, but hip's kind of one of the most common. So. About ten to 15,000, I think, are diagnosed yearly. In the US. So not a lot as compared to other things. So for Marshall, his hip was dying. It was black, said the surgeon, after they did surgery on it. And for Marshall, he was 33, 31, 31 when you were diagnosed with it? 31. 31. And this meant either he could do the avascular necrosis. What is the surgery called? It's a free vascularized fibular graft. So basically that instead of a hip replacement. Because with hip replacements, not to get too medical because I would fail miserably at it, that because he was so young, he would have had to eventually had many hip replacements in his life. And I think once you get to like four, you're done. Well, they said even in your second one, it's more complicated because you're starting to 
Yeah. And this being that my husband is an avid lifter. He has a degree in exercise science. And with this diagnosis, he had just come off of his very first bodybuilding show winning it. So holy kick in the dick. So where it comes to the this topic of this podcast about being a caregiver to somebody early in a relationship, we were together, what, five months when this happened? No, it was, it was like eight or nine. I really? I, yeah, I wasn't diagnosed. Since Still then. early. It feels like we've been together forever. I think I was diagnosed in like beginning of September. Okay, but so we had still just gotten engaged because we got engaged July. So you're supposed to be on this high. You're planning a wedding. I found my prince charming. Oh, my God, everything's perfect. Nope, it's not. And also, I had just suffered, we had just suffered a miscarriage. So, you know, you think about going through things like this, like singularly in life, you would think, okay, well, you went through one tragedy of a miscarriage. You can just deal with that. No. (laughs) And what was crazy to me that I'm just now thinking of Marshall's side in terms of like this weird duality of going through really horrible things in a time where everything's supposed to be rainbows and Skittles. You had just won your first bodybuilding show. And now it's like, no, you don't get to take off that steam and do another one. Now you get to have surgery. I'm being kind of funny and lighthearted about this because it's really a time I think of, I don't want to go so far as trauma, but I guess what else, what other word are you going to say that for that time with us? Yeah, it wasn't. Because <laughs> I remember when Marshall got the diagnosis, I was like, okay, yeah, and, you know, being a warrior. And he looked at me at one point, he's like, babe, no, seriously, like this is, this is going to change shit. And I was like, nah, it's fine. We got it. Um... I didn't realize until later that it it wasn't a sense of I got it after it was all said and done. And, you know, I knew that I wanted to be with you. There was no leaving you. There was no question of any of that. There was no like, oh, my God, am I going to be able to deal with this? I didn't even care. Like, I didn't know all that was to come, but I knew a little bit of what was possible in terms of things being hard. No, I didn't. I had no clue. What the fuck am I talking about? So I don't think things got really real for me until you were going under anesthesia because you flew out to Duke. Shout out to Duke. We love you. Best hospital ever. Best nursing staff. Best doctors. All of that. But you flew out first. I I drove down. You drove down. I flew out after you because I had to drive back. My mom stayed with my oldest, Lyric, and I got there and... I don't think I was really scared right at first. I think that I was numb, kind of. And, you know, we were preparing you for surgery. My hotel room was shit. It was gross, but, you know, <laughs> whatevs. And yeah. then as they were, like, explaining everything to you, I think I was just still numb, still trying to let everything set in, and it wasn't until they were starting to give you an epidural. <laughs> and the doctor looks over at me explaining the epidural. I'm like, I've, I've had one. I know. I and you don't like needles, you don't like things and all that. So I was like trying to stay strong for you. And when I was saying goodbye to you, ugh, I still don't like this moment. I, you know, I gave you a kiss and I laid my head on your chest. <clears throat> I don't like this part. I don't like this part. This part makes me sad. Um, and... I was like, I just got to walk away. I can't stand here. I can't linger any longer, but I didn't want to, like, leave. And I went to walk out, and the p- 
poor nurse's aide or whatever he was must have thought I was insane because I was just like, and that's when I lost it. And I was there by myself. You know, it's not like I was there with anybody in the waiting room. And, you know, all the nurses were amazing. That's the thing I loved about Duke is that, like, you could look up at the um, screen and see, like, where you were and where you were in surgery. So you weren't just, like, blindly waiting. And they would check up on you every few minutes to make sure you were good. And shout out to our listeners, too, because they were all, like, there with me on Instagram, like, giving me love and support. All your family was so great. Shout out to Deb. She was, like, on it, like, checking on me every five minutes. I love her. Um, She's, like, my honorary mother-in-law. But I still wasn't there. I still wasn't realizing all the things that were about to avalanche on us. I went to the hotel room and tried to sleep because I remember I also had like a sinus infection or something. I was like really sick. And when I, when I came back and they, like, you came too, you had this orange like hairnet on your head. I don't know if you remember saying this, but you're coming out of anesthesia and you're like, it's messing up my hair. And I'm like, you're not usually one to give a shit about your hair. So I was like, okay, he's semi fine. And then the moment that I realized, oh fuck. Like, okay, what he was saying about things changing for us as a couple of all of nine months that just got engaged and we're supposed to be cake tasting and not going to surgery and and or being very excited about a baby and or mourning a baby that we had lost. Like, none of that was on the table. And because we had this. And there was no way that I was going to not do that a because I love you and b because how shitty would that be the point that I started to start freaking out was when we were getting into your car and the nurses people the people at the out of the hospital that bring you out were starting to put you in the car <laughs> in the back seat you this must have been so uncomfortable for you because you've had this blow up cast thing on your leg because they had took the bone out of the bottom of his leg and put it in his hip Oh, and side note through all of this, I was going through contractual negotiations for my new contract for work. So a little stressful. Um, but they were putting you in there and it was like we were shifting everything around. And I don't remember at what point or why I got super frustrated with you. And I felt like it was an asshole because I remember the nurse person looked at me like, damn, bitch, like he's in a lot of pain. But I was so like all of the frustration that I was like stuffing down and not believing or wanting to face came out in my vocals at that point. I don't remember what I said. I don't remember why I was mad. Do you no. I remember like yelling about, I was like frustrated and I yelled out of frustration. So then on the way back, it was how many hours from Duke back here? Uh, about like six and a half. Yeah. So Marshall's back there with this very fragile new hip. I don't like driving his car. Like I have a little small Ford four car, per, like little person car. And Marshall's got, you know, a Durango, which to me might as well be a semi. And, like it, it, you might as well have been a newborn baby without a car seat back there in my mind. So <laughs> we pull over to the side of the road and I had to help you pee. <laughs> I figured it was in a cup where you just went on the ground. No, I think I had like a bottle or something. Cause at that point there was no limping you into the actual rest stop. You know, there was none of that. And I wasn't going to go pull off on the side of the road in a tree area to have somebody murder me and you. So I was like, well, indecent exposure it is. So, <laughs> So you pee in the cup, we get back, and the way that my condo was set up at the time, I had like a tri-level condo kind of, and it's not as fancy as I'm making it sound, but it was like there was this awful little like dungeon. 
I want to say downstairs. Like you walk into the side, there's like the, what would you call it? It was like supposed to be like an office. It's supposed to be like an office. Like you had the front door on one side, the garage door on the back side, and then in, the, in between it's like a little a room. It's a room. It had like little French door things. I think it was supposed to be an office, and there was like a full bath attached. Yeah, and in it was like this observation window, as I used to call it, it was this random weird little window. So it's like even if that was a bedroom, you had to put this janky ass like curtain over it. It was horrible. And that was the room that Marshall had to stay in for six weeks. So uh, I forget why we put you down there because you couldn't. The stairs. Yeah, because you had a bed there and you couldn't go up the stairs to the kitchen and you could get to the bathroom quick enough because that was all you could do. Like four steps. Mm -hmm. I think it might have been. It was that bad. Like, and I don't. I don't know if this is. I don't know. Like, I don't know how you got through that. So it's like I always feel trepidatious to talk about, you know, my angle of it as the caretaker per se. But I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we're going to get through this. Because I also had, a, what was lyric? Five, four, three, three, almost four. Um, no, at that, at that point he had just turned four. So barely four. And, you know, so I had to take care of him. So it's not like I could stay whole up in downstairs with you all the time like I had to take care of Lyric and I had to go to work we didn't have any family that you know was around or that we you know were willing to anyway it wasn't a situation where there, where there was anybody else to help us so my mom was there for like a couple of days and then she left and every morning I would get up pack Marshall a little cooler of like snacks and stuff like that you had your Netflix you had your iPods or whatever but I was at work for what 10 hours I would leave at five be home by like one. Yeah, I mean, so, well, sometimes later because you, at that point, you pick up lyric from from school or like grocery shop, whatever it was. I couldn't be there with you all the time, and of course, that was always weighing on me. Like, where was your mental health, your state gonna go? In this sense, like, and it was the one time that I, now I think selfishly wanted you to go upstairs. And you were on crutches, and I don't think that you had, like, moved really from the bed except for the bed to the bathroom. And I was like, babe, like, I'm going crazy down here. You know, because Lyric would bring his little toys and come down there with his iPad, and, like, we would watch, you know, Netflix on your iPad before it was time to go to sleep. And I was like, I just want one night of, like, a little bit of normalcy. Can we just try to get you upstairs? I want to stab myself in the eyeball thinking about this now because you did it for me. But I remember going up those stairs and like we got, it was like 10 or 12 steps and then there was like a little landing and then you went up like four more steps and we got you up to the landing with no problem. But on that first step, we were like four steps away from the top. Something somehow slipped, you slipped, something happened. And I remember going, oh, fuck. It's a goddamn thing. I good thing that I work out because I remember I didn't like catch you and like hold you for a second. And I was like, what did I just do? Like, what have I done? Why did I make him? Oh my God. And I felt awful and guilty and resentful and every emotion that you could feel in that moment, I felt it. And I remember you saying like, you're like, oh my God, it touched a touch. And you were like scared that something had happened because you put a little pressure on it. And I was like, oh my God. I remember it being at that moment in our very new 
relationship, a future now, you know, we were getting married and I was like, oh God, I don't know if we can get through this. That's not something you're supposed to say out loud. And no, mind y'all, I have said this out loud to Marshall before. So don't think that this is like new, like how dare you say that in front of your husband and whatever. Um, but it's real. We keep this real and really Riley. I was like, I won't leave him, but I don't know that we're going to get out of this unscathed. I don't know that this crisp, new, lovey-dovey, everything is wonderful and all the possibilities are before us. Relationship is going to get out of this without some scars. And I don't think we did. Do you? No, I think there's, like, residual, like, I don't know another word to say, but, like, trauma. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it, it's life-changing and it, it sucks on both sides, you know? I, I It's not, I mean, people probably tired of hearing me talk about it or bring it up but it's like it's not something I don't think about first thing in the morning and go to bed thinking about too it's just it you know I I still deal with pain I have you know monthly monthly like tune-ups as I call them with dry needling and everything like that to try to maintain pain and and stay out and get more range of motion and, and all those things so it's it's like I can hear it in your voice right now like how much it hurts you to talk about this because you understand too like when I met Marshall he was at the peak physically mentally you know like this he was training and fighting hard and doing whatever he you know wanted to do physically and he was like my pillar of strength because I was going through a lot of crap at that point and it was like this was you know I was like wow I finally get to lean on somebody and then physically and literally and physically it was you leaning on me and at the time, except for that one moment at the top of the stairs, because I think I had that moment and felt so guilty, and then I didn't allow myself to, like, really feel what I was, you know, repressing. Because I was like, this just isn't fair. And I hate that word. I never, I don't like to use that word. I don't want to say never, but I try to never use that word, because what the fuck is fair? Life is not fair. It's just true. But I had a lot of fair in my life. I had a man that loved me that would, you know, do anything in the world for me. And I knew that we were going to get through this in some way. I just didn't know when. And I was still processing so many other traumas from losing our baby. And then we were going through family issues at that point, too. And uh, it was hard. But then, like, within that, there were these shining moments, too, that I knew without a shadow of a doubt that you were my person because like we would go to the gym and you would feel like super meek, I guess with the word that was, that was look to me. Cause I've never ever seen you that way. Like I hate this video of you sitting in the wheelchair, like pressing 25s on other side, doing like a seated shoulder press. Now the reason I say that is because Marshall's the one that does like the hundos. The 25 is for me. And I remember like, picking those up for you and seeing the pain on your face, like you looking in the mirror after just coming off of a bodybuilding competition. But I remember being like your cheerleader, like, yep, it's fine. I don't care. Like I, re- I think I walked into that gym with more pride with you in that wheelchair than any of your bodybuilding days. No lie. And then I remember we met this one dude that he was there with his girlfriend and he must've been, I don't know what kind of accident he was. Cause he was probably not walking ever again. Right. No, I, it, it was it was something serious. And he was in a wheelchair, and I remember looking at his girlfriend. You know, I know that this sounds harsh because he's in the wheelchair and she's still walking, right? But we're talking about caregivers in this podcast, you know? 
And I remember looking at her face and she seemed so worn, like weathered and tired and annoyed. Because I remember he looked at you and he was saying something like, you know, man, recover the right way. Like, don't push it. Give it time. You'll get there. Because I I get the notion that he probably didn't. And she was probably pissed about it. I I think I remember him telling me something. He was supposed to do whatever. And he he pushed it too much and re-injured it or something. Yeah. And I mean, but looking at her face, I don't. I don't think they were married. I didn't see any wedding rings. But it seemed like she was her ri- his ride or die, but she looked like she was tired of the ride or die. That ride was hard to her. And I remember being like, okay. Because you all got to remember, like in the back of my head too, I went from being a single mom to totally in love, thinking that like, you know, the Calvary is here. And then I was the Calvary. And it sounds awful that I put it that way. But these are the weird thoughts that go through your head. By, when you're by yourself and you're thinking about it all. And I almost feel like it's good to talk about because it helps maybe some of y'all listening that are might be going through this, like with the resentment that you're not the only one that feels that inward resentment and you feel like an asshole later for it. But I would dare to admit during the caregiving process that I wasn't everything that I should have been for you. Your silence says a lot, my friend. No, I I thought like <laughs> on a day-to-day basis, I mean, you did everything. I mean, physically. Like to, I mean, taking care of Lyric, everything by yourself, all the stuff at the house, like, you know, <laughs> making sure I had food, like, you know, because it was literally like, you know, the walkers right beside my bed and it was like, I just kind of hobble a few steps right into the bathroom. And I mean, even that was like a process, you know, it's, it's taxing mentally for everybody. You know, I I don't, it's just, (laughs) it's just a shitty situation, you know, but what life's, that's what it is. I mean, I don't battle. I don't think you'd ever say it to my face, but I don't know that like emotionally I was there. I would help you clean your wounds. I would help you do all the things. I would bring you the food, but I think I was more outwardly frustrating than I speak on. You know, like I wasn't always the cheerleader like I was able to do for you and like maybe the gym or like, you know, because whenever we would go out, you know, I would be the one in and out with the wheelchair. I would be the one, you know, putting it all together. And I don't think emotionally I was the sweetest. But I think that's just how I handle trauma. It's how I handle stress. And... (laughs) I'll never forget when we were, like, coming out of it, how damn glad I was getting rid of that freaking wheelchair. I was so happy. And I remember we took it to a dump, and I got a video on Instagram of getting rid of it. Or was it a shower chair? I think it was your shower chair that we were getting rid of or something. Yeah, it was something like that. I, I still I still have the crutches downstairs. I know. I hate those crutches. But I, we were getting rid of one of them. I think it was the shower chair. And somebody flipped their shit on Instagram. They're like, you should donate that and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know what? Maybe we could have. But there was such symbolism in the fact that you didn't need that damn shower chair ever again. I believe in juju. I believe in aura. I believe in energy. And I didn't want to ever see that fucking thing again. I don't know. About, I mean, you were like this mountain to me that they like chiseled you down. And you had to grow back up. So to me, keeping that fucking thing was like, you know, the chisel's still sitting there. I didn't want it. Anyway, off topic. But 
the whole process of all of that did, I think, really strengthen us in the idea of like we really can get through anything. But the problem with being those people and having so much bonding in that is when you bond through traumatic relations or traumatic situations very early on, you miss that honeymoon phase or some of it. You know what they say when you're married to somebody and they're annoying the shit out of you and you just look back and you remember those days it's like you were carefree. Well, wait, when were those? Crickets? Anybody? Because I, what do we have? A couple months? Because how, when did we have our miscarriage? We were together th- four months? That was in, I think it was end of July, beginning of August. So we were together four Five months. So. <laughs> no, no longer than that. Really? Yeah. I thought it was earlier. I don't know. So you see, I've like blacked out most about, of. Th- it's about eight months in and then I got my diagnosis about nine. Like how sad is this? You know, that like, that like I blacked out most of the early days of our relationship because a lot of it was hard. And even in our wedding vows, we like we talked about like y- you said in your wedding vows, you know, like what, what was it? Shoot. Uh, what what some people say is a lifetime has a different meaning for us. Mm-hmm. I've watched that damn video so many times. You think I would have memorized it by now, but it's true. Um, and some are like, "Oh, you guys triumphant and blah 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 blah," and that's all really pretty on Instagram. But when you're going through it and you like, you know, are looking at the nurse and she's asking me if I want to give you a catheter. No, ma'am. I'd like to see that in a different what. Don't get mad at me for saying that. It happened. This nurse literally like looked at me and she's like, oh, well, we have to reinsert this catheter. Do you want to do it? He looks stressed out. I was like, no. Are you nuts? That was worse than, I don't know what's worse. Like when the epidural came out because I just was itchy <laughs> all over for like 24 hours. Or crackhead is what you were. <laughs> the catheter. I, I don't, I don't know. What I have never seen him so irritated. Like, and trust me, we have a new, we've, we've been through newborn, toddler, potty training, all of that. I've never seen you so frustrated. And she's like, he looks a little irritated. Do you think he'd be more comfortable if you did? Are you crazy? You want me to take that tube and stick it up? No. I was like, I have to I have to look at that in a different capacity for the rest of my life. I'd really rather not have that mental picture in my head. Thanks for playing. No. Well, it was it was horrible. It was like you watched like the Dark Knight trilogy <laughs> and like drank like five big gulps and you have to go and you can't. Like it was the worst. It was horrible. You talk to me about that after you've had a child. Okay. But <laughs> anyway, like, I, I think that the reason that I open up about this is because in marriage, you're going to go through that, right? I mean, God willing, you don't. God willing, you grow old together, and then you just pass out in your sleep, and then you go to heaven. It's like, hey, next step. But most of the time, it ain't like that. And I think it taught us that we can get through anything. I think it taught me personally as, like, the caregiver type that, God forbid, either one of us has to go through this ever again that the strength and like just being the rock isn't always enough. Like emotional, emotional connection is very important through that physical connection too. Like we were together for nine months. You you know, like there wasn't a lot of whole sex going on when you can't have a, when you can't move your hip. Man, that first time was scary, but (laughs) TMI, I know, I'm sorry. But I think that you can get through it. It sucks to go through that so early. But I think you have to come back and relive those early days in some way, shape, or form. Like, we just had a weekend. We went to my host John's girlfriend's um, parents' 
beach farm and it was the most delightful day because I don't think we've had a time that that was that carefree like in I don't know forever yeah it's like I want to say like our mini moon after the wedding but that was even still like coming down from all of the stress of things and like trying to just get your mind right from all the whirlwind of emotions you just had and I don't know. Like we were in the water and it's, bra- what is it called? Brackish? Brackish. Murky ass water with seaweed. But it was still really fun because Marsh was putting seaweed on me and I'm like, motherfucker, you got to sleep next to me tonight. Stop it. But it was fun to play and be that like we were when we first started dating. Like I look at all of like my saved Instagram stories of us when we were just kidding around with each other and being idiots. And I was like, I missed that. And I think being a caregiver in the beginning can sometimes clip that from you or whatever stage you do it. And I don't mean to sound so melancholy. I just mean that it'll come back, I think. Like ebbs and flows. I mean, I think, honestly think something that could have helped then, maybe not like a therapist or counselor, but just someone that like you can you can talk about it as you're going through it. Look at you. You, know, you did not I, used to be all about therapy. Let's well, just say I mean, that. it sucks. Like, you know, on, on my end, you know, you feel like I don't like being taken care of. And I no, don't, you don't. And I, you know. You're a fixer. You're a giver. Like, That's you know, your love language is acts of service for sure. You know, everything that, you know, has been a strength is now weakness. And you feel guilt that you can't do all these things. And, you know, a lot of that just builds and builds and builds. You know, so you're thinking about how can I get back as fast as I can while also thinking about, you know, the guilt of not being able to do X, Y, and Z and all the other things you want to do, you know, for you, for him, like, you know, just having fun. And, you know, it was a lot of the personal development stuff and everything else, like all the books I had, like set aside to read and all the other things that kind of kept my mind out of a dark place because it, you know. Do you think that you ever had an oh shit moment of, I know you won't ever admit this in front of me, but I'm going to ask you to try, of, is this really the girl that I want to be with? Because of those times that I was like not the most emotionally supportive through it, or like I physically couldn't have been? That was something I never questioned. Really? Even uh, through that? Even through that. It, it was, I think it was a lot of how can I get back the fastest and what can I do to, you know, like make up, you know, you you, used to, you carry a lot of guilt. And side note, let me back up. When I said, really, you never questioned being with me. It's not to say that I ever questioned being with you because it wasn't that. But I always say, I was like, if it's not you, it's nothing. Legit. If God forbid you ever leave me, I'm going to lock you in a closet and make you not. But I also like would never get married again. A hundred percent. It would never, ever, ever, ever. It wouldn't be about being with somebody else. Never. But I always say, I don't want us to live together unhappy. I don't want to live an unhappy life, period. You know, I don't want us to ever get divorced, but that was my biggest fear of, like, being married and staying married just for the sake of it. You know, I know, I think I know, we've been still, like, we've been married all of five minutes. It feels like ten years. We've been married eight, nine months? Nine months? 10 months, something like that. We're our anniversary, September 25th. You do the math. Yeah, it's coming up. But aren't we cute? I used to be like, we're married two months. We're married six months. And I'm like, what, what, how long has it been? 10 years. Um, what was I saying? I don't, I, um, I forgot what I was saying. Hi, brain fire. This is, this is with age. This is, this is called it being 
<laughs> time to go to bed. No, I just think that it's important to be able to feel those things and wade through them and not feel like because you're so early in your relationship that you can't get through all of that and still be in love and still celebrate those things. Like that one listener that I was talking to, like I was, she was a little bummed that she had to maybe reschedule her wedding and like not wear her wedding dress at that time. And I was like, girl, you're going to wear it. Trust me. You know, she was like, I, I, I just really want to feel like a bride. And, you know, then you feel guilty for wanting that, you know, me too. I wanted to just feel engaged and be like happy and, you know, celebrate this thing that I'd finally found this thing, this person that I had finally found after looking for my whole life. And I was like, motherfucker, like, really? Why? Yeah. Everything happens exactly as it should. Always. I get sad sometimes about what that bruised our relationship timeline. And I say bruised. I should say scarred, but I don't want to be that dramatic. It just definitely put things in a different trajectory that we have to work a little harder to be, to rekindle that uh, honeymoon phase. And the crazy thing about it is, though, that gives me hope is that whenever we do have the time where we don't have a seven, almost seven-year-old or almost 18-month-old hanging on us and wiping poopy bottoms and schedules and all that. Like, whenever we do have those times that we can completely come to center, I'm like, oh, I remember this. Like, I remember what this feels like. I remember what it feels like when you used to drive 45 minutes at 8 o'clock at night starving because you were prepping for a bodybuilding show and you would come over, eat your food, and 10 minutes later I was drooling on your chest because I would fall asleep on you because I felt so comfortable. I remember this. I just mean it as a source of like reality and inspiration, I guess you could say, because I know the judgy wudgy was the bears are out there. Calm down. Karen's that are saying like, Oh, how could you say that? Like, does it ever sting you when you hear that stuff? Like when I was like doubtful or frustrated or resentful in those times? A little bit, but I, I mean, I understand it. It's, it's you know who you married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shitty thing you know but like that's life you know like I you know I I put myself in this mindset I guess getting through was you know anyone that I looked up to in any industry any profession anything like that they had been through tough shit overcame it and that's why you know it was inspirational you know so but like couple wise though like me and you he always does this he always goes to his like inspirational quotes which I love you for but I think you you get Queasy a little bit when I make you hitch hitch you at the heartstrings in terms of like love stuff. Like, was there any a time in any of that where you loved me less? No, I never loved you less. It just like I wanted everything that you did, and mm-hmm. you just felt guilt that I I couldn't, you know. And then it, and then that that builds and kind of eats you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I can if you reverse that question to me, I can honestly say there was never a second that I loved you less, not one ever. And some of that shit was nasty. Some of the, like sponge bathing and cleaning out the bandages and like all of that, it really didn't phase me. You know, it's like who you are and the different facets of who you are were flashed before my eyes very quickly in that time where we were supposed to just be this lovey-dovey couple, you know, like I went from seeing you as this fucking strong, hot, like 
damn, like, look at, look at how strong he is. Like, you know, I, in my fitness journey, I was, what was it? Three years in there. So really new. And I was so in awe at all that you could do and the strength that you had mentally and physically to get to the space where you got to the stage and the bodybuilding show. That's a lot y'all. Like, I don't know if you've, you've, <laughs> hats off to the girlfriends of bodybuilders because you got to deal with people that are hangry and pissed off and then they look orange after the show. Any who's will be. I remember seeing you at the mecca of your of your of everything you want to be as a person until you became a dad. I was like, "Wow." And then it it was hurt hurtful to see you in that state of I don't like it, but I have to say it like weakness. Like that was your weakest. I didn't see you as weak because I felt like I say this to you to this day. I don't know how you got through that mentally without being in the cuckoo's nest because I would have in a bed for six weeks with nobody around and just your thoughts. Oh my God, I would have gone insane. So you weren't weak in that sense, but physically weak. And that, that is your biggest pride. I think, you know, strength and in all facets. And it was hard for me to see you that way. But even through all that, it's not like, it's not like I loved you any differently at all. And that's how I knew, okay, this was it. I hated it. I wish we didn't have to go through it. But then again, I don't know that I would change any one day of it. Would you? Looking back now. I really? mean, like this, well, a lot of the stuff that came through it, you know, because, you know, you pushed me to kind of share a lot of the story. Like you, you pushed me for all the hospital footage. Like I didn't want to do any of that. Oh, you hated me for that. You know, but I, I he means, what he means by hospital footage is when, the physical therapist was trying to get him up out of the bed. He was annoyed as hell that I was back there with the video camera, like you pushing it, um, like having to spin your hip around. And this was the first time you'd moved it at all since they'd it fiddled. Like, it was like three, three days surgery wise. And she was trying to get you up. I think she was pissed off too, but you know, people, whatever. And I was videoing it going down the hallway. But I remember this one moment that I'm so glad I got on film and he thanked me now for it. But it was like she asked you if you wanted to sit down because you had gone far. I was like, damn, it was, you know, but you don't think a hallway might as well be a mile to somebody that can't weight bear on one side of their body and just had it all cut open and sewed back together and grafted and all that shit. But she asked you if you wanted to take a break and you were like, where am I going? And you look, and she's like, that room right there. And you looked at how many steps it was. And you were sweating. And you were like, I can do it. I was like, that was my baby. Like, I remember, like, fucking lady, you're going to ask him if he's going to sit down. He's going to fa- he's gonna pass out before he sits down. But I was so glad that I got that for you because now you can forever, like, share that imagery next to you putting freaking six plates on the machines now in the gym, which still makes me nervous, but I'm not going to tell you a boo-boo about that because you're not going to listen anyway. No, but, I mean, I think that's a lot of good stuff for people – in a caregiver position, and I can say for, like, my end, you know, I've met people literally all over the world. There was a kid from Turkey that was last week that was asking about it. You know, he's got avascular necrosis. I met people that were patients at Duke with avascular necrosis and different joints. You know, just tons and tons of people on my end where it's like I can kind of guide them in a way and kind of cut a few. Because that was a stressful process. I mean, you had to be 35 years or younger, and you got to have all these medical checks before they could even, like, accept you to possibly get the surgery, you know, there are one of two hospitals in the country that do it, so this wasn't an easy process, so it's, like, to kind of help people on that end, you know, at this point now, 
So basically, you're saying get the video. and share the process you know what now that you think about that i'm actually kind of really grateful i was detached that's the word for it because you went through i don't know how many fucking specialists shout out to dr spencer our chiropractor that actually was the one like brah that's not a pinched nerve you need to go deal with that and i don't think through that process i really knew and i think being detached or really not allowing myself to delve into that made me not worry if you're not a worrier and you can handle that, cool. But if I had really known what the prognosis was going to be, is that the word I'm supposed to be looking for? Prognosis? Whatever. I would have been on your ass every day. I would have been anxious. I would have been worried about it. What's going on? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I think I'm really glad that I didn't grasp the entire concept of what was about to happen to our lives until we were, like, on the healing path. Because that was, what, two years before you got up and walked on your own steam? From, uh, from bed to wheelchair to crutches to cane to walking? Yeah, it was probably like it's a good seven, eight months, I think, before I got actually cleared to like, hey, you can walk with unassisted. But even but then, it's not like you just got up and did it. No, even then it was like, you know, because basically it's like nerve pain through your whole leg. So it's like a nerve in your whole leg it t- ties into your sciatic and everything like that where it would just shut the leg down. So it would just collapse. So it was like a tingly feeling in your foot. So like if you put too much pressure down, it, that nerve would fire up and then it just give out. So it was a real slow process even coming back to, to walk. That reminded me of a very fun time that we had of our engagement photos. So you had just been cleared to walk, I think? Stand? No. You still had the crutches, but I don't think yeah. you were full on walking yet. And we had this beautiful hotel room that we got. I had, you know, my makeup artist there. My favorite photographer was there. My hair person was there. And damn it, we were getting these photos because I needed them for the save to dates. This wedding was happening, which it didn't because pandemic. And then Malin, our baby boy. Um, But I remember us being out on this balcony and like you were sweating your ass off. You were leaning on me. Like, you were leaning on one leg and on me, but somehow making these photos pretty. And this hotel was fucking big, man. And we wanted to go to this ballroom and find this other, like, scene because I can't just have one because I'm extra like that. And you had to be on those crutches. And I was my feet were hurting walking through all of that. And I couldn't imagine what you were going through. But now when I look at those pictures, I really didn't see any of it on your face. And I think you knew how damn important it was for me to have those photos. So I just got goosebumps. When I was saying this to this other listener that originated this whole topic of conversation, like you're going to feel those things. You're going to feel that bridal moment. No matter what you're going through, you're going to feel that feeling ignite in you. And it's going to be, dare I say, amplified because of all that you go through like our wedding day was damn it was more than it was almost it was almost like an explosion of emotions you know because of everything that we'd been through like it was a whirlwind and stuff but when i think about you walking in and i think about the picture of that there's a time that that might not have happened like well, granted, you know, we were supposed to get married November of 2020 and it didn't end up till 2021 in September that we got married. But like everybody always asked me, like, what's your favorite part of the wedding? It wasn't the vows. It wasn't seeing him for the first time at the end of the aisle because he looked like he was ready to puke. 
Um, it was when you were a little wasted and Marshall doesn't get drunk during the reception and you just started like dancing and I've never seen you dance before. Like I, your cousin's wife was telling me at one point, oh, Marshall will totally dance. He gets wasted at weddings and that's when he danced. I was like, I've never seen this side of Marshall. And you were just dancing without a fucking care in the world. And you're like, you know, you're not exactly like the happy-go-luckiest of people in that way. Like you're a pretty stoic human being in public settings. Not with me, but you know, you're not just like the life of the party swinging under her around your head. That's not your MO. But there you were with this fucking wig on your head that I forget. Oh, that was Will. That was your best man's part of props for his speech. Just this blonde mullet wig dancing your heart out. And I just like, I was a dancer. I was a club rat dancer. I was a dancer professionally. Not like that. I was a ballerina and I couldn't even dance. I was standing there just staring at you like, holy shit. And that was just the caregiver in me, if you will, was like, wow. Okay. If there was ever better a time for him to dance, it was now. So there you have it. There's life beyond it. It, it, it. it can survive and you can. I'd say you will, you know. Not yeah. everybody does. Let's be real. Not everybody does. Yeah, I, I just, I don't like doubt. I don't like doubt either. I know you always tell me that. I'm so bad at that too. Like I'm always all about speaking things into existence, but I do get into my fits of doubt. And I, I never doubted us. Let me say this. You will get through it. You will. But you have, to, you have to have a certain mindset to get through it and get through it happy. That's my thing. That's my caveat. So we'll just stop there, and I'll get off my soapbox. Love you guys for listening. Um, and side note, if you know anybody that is thinking they have avascular necrosis or is looking for a similar diagnosis or you just need, like, an ear for stuff like that, Marshall is always open to talk about this stuff because I think it's, you know, sort of been your mission that anybody wants to know, you will totally share your story and resources that you have. So how do you spell at, at the fit marshmallow? How does marshmallow spell it again? Uh, I'm Marsh and then mellow, M-E-L-L-O, like the soda. Like, no, like the artist. Okay. <laughs> I'm tired. And also the DMs are always open for me at Riley Couture. That's Instagram and Facebook, Snapchat's Radio Recon, TikTok's Riley Couture 7, and Twitter, even though I never use it because somebody stole it from me while I was giving birth, Riley Couture 5. Love you guys longest. Love you, babe. Thanks for sitting down with me and hearing all about this. Love you too. Uh, You guys, thanks for listening. I will talk to you on Friday. It's really Riley.